and welcome back to another episode of The Rewatchman, where we don't review movies, we re-review them. Uh, today we are going to be giving our re-review of the 2006 X-Men 3, X-Men The Last Stand. I am T.C. DeWitt, and with me as always is my co-host, Benjamin Toe. Ben, are you ready for a nice long chat about the Merry Mutants of Marvel? Let's do this. Mm, yes! Okay, oh, my so... stars and garters! <laughs> uh... So later in the show, we will be giving a review of the most recent X Men, X Men Apocalypse. But uh, and you know, we might answer some fan questions and tweets. Um, but before we do that, we are diving into all things X Men, and particularly X Men Three. You've rewatched it. I've rewatched it. Here we go. <laughs> Let's rediscuss it. I, I don't even know where to begin with this movie, and and we're doing something a little different. Normally, we'd catch up, do some news and whatnot, but I want to get right into this because we have lots to say. I'm sure. Hmm. Into the meat. I, 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 do you remember seeing this in theaters? Yes. Okay. So I, I, I can remember seeing this in theaters as well and being disappointed to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before rewatching it, what was your feelings about this movie? I remember always telling folks when we discuss X-Men that The Last Stand was the worst. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. was the bottom of the bottom. And even though post X-Men Origins Wolverine, I still counted The Last Stand as the worst X-Men movie because it was the most ripe with potential in terms of the Cure storyline, the Dark Phoenix storyline, mm-hmm. and um, wrapping everything between with Professor X Magneto. They dropped the ball on so many things oh, that yeah. what could have been, you know. And <laughs> X-Men Origins Wolverine was just flat-out garbage, but, you know, <laughs> that's something we could have called from a mile away. Yeah, yeah. I remember it's the first... T comic ever drew was of or at least in California was Mike being like oh my god did you see Magnesia like, bullets yeah did you not see the previous X Men three <laughs> we all knew what we were in for here <laughs> I, I don't think X Men uh, Wolverine origin sorry X Men Origins Wolverine or the Wolverine hmm. they're not the worst yeah because they know exactly what they are they hmm. are really cheesy eighties action movies like, yeah. <laughs> pretty much right. X-Men 3, how did the franchise survive this movie? Mm. Because <laughs> I think just based on the three minutes we've been talking, we agree it's a bad movie. Yes. It was it was shocking. Because like, <sighs> just re-watching it a little bit, I can mm-hmm. see the seeds being planted to where they're trying to make this the finale. Yeah. And it felt like there was um, a sense of closure uh, in a lot of the arcs that were tied together from the first two movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is this is the movie where nothing happens. Yes. Nothing happens in this movie. Yeah. Right? And we we can get to that in a moment, but really it's like everything that the only thing that happens in this movie that can stick is that Scott gets killed. <laughs> Off screen, <laughs> Off by the way. Off screen. That has you know, I was still very upset with that. I think that was the most upsetting moment, even rewatching it, was <laughs> killing off like one of the primary members of the X Men, mm. the captain of the X Men. The Off Screen. <sighs> Off screen yeah. DC Poor poor James Marsden. He uh can't catch a break. It, you know what his role is in Hollywood? He's the guy who has his girlfriend taken from him. <laughs> Every movie he's in, he's in the Notebook. Mm. He doesn't get Rachel McAdams. Nope. Ryan Gosling does. He's in twenty. He's he's seriously like every movie he's enchanted. In. He's not Superman Returns. Yeah. Does he get really get Lois in the end? <laughs> no, her heart belongs to Clark. <laughs> enchanted. Does he get the? Does he get the? Uh, what's her name? Uh, Giselle in the end? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> James Martin, the the Hollywood neutered guy, <laughs> <laughs> and he's great. I like James Martin. Yeah, he's really charismatic. <laughs> um, but you know what? Let's. Uh, I have I have lots of notes here, but let I'll make it real simple. Let's remind people about this movie because hmm. there are some people out there who may not have seen this movie in a long time. Maybe saw it once. I know people who like this movie. 
I know people who will say this is their favorite of the movies. Ooh. And I say go back and rewatch this movie because <laughs> I think you're forgetting just how dull Ooh. and meandering mm. and pointless this movie is. Strong words. I I, I can remember 2005-ish. Yeah. Ain't It Cool News was like the peak of movie news, mm. right? And Moriarty was their reporter, got a hold of the script. Not the last act, but the first two-thirds of the script and leaked it. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> the people need to know what is about to happen in this movie. And I, I can remember reading that article and being like, oh, my God, this sounds terrible. Mm. But luckily it was leaked, so now we won't have to see this movie because the fans are reacting so vehemently. Surely they'll change this. They didn't. Yeah. <laughs> they, didn't. they pretty much doubled down on all the missteps of that leaked script and mm. made that movie. And it, it's... Oh gosh, you could if you watch X Men Two, um, X Men United, Brian Singer was already laying groundwork for his idea for three and four, mm. which would have been the Dark Phoenix saga somewhere in there and Apocalypse. Yeah, and it took him a decade to finally get back <laughs> to doing what he wanted to do. Yeah, he still has to do Dark Phoenix, but at least he's found his way to clean up this franchise. Yeah. <laughs> um, now Schulze and I disagree about X Men Three. Ooh. All right. I say you still need to watch this movie to truly appreciate Days of Future Past. I agree. Okay, good. Schultz is like, no, you can skip it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, no, you have to truly appreciate the ending of Days of Future Past and actually get a joke in the new one. Mm. (laughs) You have to watch this this terrible thorough. But anyway. Yeah, that last moment in Days of Future Past wouldn't make any sense without the last dance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, I I guess guess it kind of does because... You can just assume they were all dead, but no, <laughs> I cannot truly appreciate that. Mm. Well, um, <laughs> I, I'd like to pose this question. Mm. Was there any positive takeaways from The Last Stand for you? Um, yes. Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> yeah. He's so perfectly cast. Mm. That makeup on him is fantastically done. Yeah. Uh, we did laugh a lot, though, every time he was on screen, because it just <laughs> felt so out of place. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I it. But he was fantastic. And he did great with what he had to work with. Yeah. I think Kelsey Grammer did a fantastic job. He he took it. Th- one of the biggest problems with X-Men 3 is how seriously some of those people are taking it. Like Halle yeah. Berry thinks she's going to, she's running the show here. Yeah. <laughs> and, and This was post-Monster Ball. Yeah. yeah. She's, because she was nominated for Monsters Ball in X-Men 1. Okay. Right. And she was disappointed with her, the what she had to do as Storm in X-Men mm. 2. <clears throat> Uh, and X-Men 1. So she demanded. like, she, It's like uh, currently um, Jeff and Schulze for Franchise Manchise podcast are re-watching the Police Academy movies. Yeah. And uh, Mahoney's gone. Uh, Steve Gutenberg leaves after a while, and they're like, oh, well, you, they can carry on the show with that. Storm is not the main character of the X-Men, <laughs> and Halle Berry's Storm is definitely not the main character of the X-Men. Mm. So putting her in the lead, like in charge of the team, is laughable at best <laughs> she's really giving it her all yeah yeah like she she's doing like shakespeare in the park <laughs> just trying way too hard it was um everyone felt like they were in a different movie mm-hmm. <laughs> i think hugh jackman does he does well I mean, he's wolverine he, he truly appreciates his fame thanks to that role like he yeah. I think he will be Wolverine forever. Mm-hmm. Even though he's tired of waking up at night to eat a whole chicken and, cry- <laughs> and crying while he's doing it. I think if they ever want him to be Wolverine, he will be Wolverine. Yeah. And he's got one more. He's going to do Old Man Logan for Wolverine number three. Mm. 
but you know, if if the Marvel Cinematic Universe ever absorbs the the X Men, won't happen. Cameo. <laughs> I see Wolverine or Hugh Jackman being like, yeah, I'll 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 quick do a quick little hello in uh mm. in. Iron Man 6, whatever. Heck yes, because we still haven't got that Wolverine Hulk fight yet. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I really wonder who they're going to use in Old Man Logan because they can't use Hulk. Yeah. I don't know if you ever read the comic. I won't spoil it for you like <laughs> Superman earlier. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't read articles. <laughs> okay. X-Men The Last Stand opens with some of the most horrifying CG I've ever seen. <laughs> we get to it's 20 years in the past from whatever uh, the horrifying Charles Xavier and Eric Lunch here going to a, a neighborhood to recruit Jean Grey, a little a little jerk mm-hmm. little girl. Can I just say side note? Like, do you remember when people were praising that CG? Yeah, in the beginning? yeah. I actually went back and found some old reviews. Yeah, and there people were like, "I'm blown away by this incredible CGI. <laughs> I believed every minute of it." And it's the uncanny valley. It is... The robots are taking over. It was Tron Legacy level. <laughs> <laughs> I think Tron Legacy is better. Uh, or, I mean, how about RDJ in the new Civil War? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. You know, it's great is that anyone who wanted to be like, look fake. It's like, well, it is because literally in the movie, it's a hologram. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't trying to pull off some flashback. Yeah. It made sense for the movie. Yeah. But I just feel like we should stop trying to do this, man. Like, I think the Mike Douglas de-aging in Ant-Man is, is quite good. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. What? You haven't seen Ant-Man? I haven't seen Ant-Man yet. <laughs> Give it the program, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right. So we, we open with that first scene with Jean Grey. So that would lead you to believe the most important character in this movie is going to be Jean. Yes. All right? When you open like that, Jean's your main character. Like, Jean is, is essential, pivotal. Why, why go to the trouble to recruit her? And is that the plot of the movie? Yes and no. I mm-hmm. don't know. Then we get a second scene. Of Angel trimming his wings off. Yeah. Little little Kirk. I believe that's the actor who played Little Kirk. Oh, really? Shaving off his wing, filing off his wings in the bathroom. Warring Worthington Third and his dad. Mm. And you would then think that would mean Angel is the second most important character in this movie. Mm. He, what? Like, he has no purpose whatsoever. That was literally a cameo. A- Angel, why, oh, why open with that scene? Yeah. Why open with that scene, Ben? That is terrible screenwriting. <laughs> I think a lot of that script is an amalgamation and kind of a bastard monstrosity of what Brian Singer had in place yeah. before he left for Superman Returns, and then what Simon Kimberg and Zach Penn and Brett Ratner kind of like did a little fill in the blanks activity yeah. <laughs> to kind of give us a ninety-minute product because this is also the shortest of all the X-Men movies, and you can tell that. Not only was everything rushed, but everything was, like like you mentioned, a lot of confusing, out-of-place things were just there to be there. And I think they were there because of a previous incarnation of yeah. the script. There's, everything in this movie, does, there's no motivating, like there's no inciting incident yeah. on, on all this stuff. It's There's like set pieces that mm-hmm. they must go to, go to Alkali Lake again, for crying out loud. <laughs> um, but, ben Foster literally has three scenes. But Yeah, and... And two lines. It's a shame. He's so wasted. I mean, Ben Foster yeah. is, a fan, is a really fantastic actor. Mm-hmm. He's so underutilized and could have made a good angel. Yeah. But no. Um, then we get the title sequence, and then we get open with the Danger Room session with Logan and Storm in charge because Scott is totally slacking off on his duties mm-hmm. as Charles second-in-command because he's in mourning because Gene died in the second movie. Mm-hmm. And I think of all the X-Men, this is the one 
that you need to have seen the one one before. Yeah. I think all the other X-Men, I do feel like you could just watch it. You don't need to have seen X-Men 1 to appreciate X-Men 2. You don't need to have seen uh, First Class to appreciate Days of Future Past. I think yeah. that, but this X-Men 3, you better have, you better have watched X-Men 2. Yeah. Um, and that Danger Room sequence is, that Sentinel head-cutting moment makes no logical sense for it. <laughs> like, where was Wolverine? Like, and, and if he was thrown in the Danger Room, wouldn't he have hit a wall? Like, yeah. how big is that room? <laughs> I'm so... And then we get the introduction to the uh, Kitty Bobby Rogue Love Triangle. Also forced. Ellen Page is the worst, right? <laughs> She's terrible. Do you know? Okay, so Maggie Grace was originally cast in that role. Uh, Shannon really? from Lost. She was cast in the role. I don't know if she'd be any better. <laughs> I, I, I don't think she would have been any better or worse. Yeah. It's because the script was so terrible. But Ellen Page. I do. I don't. I like not a huge fan, but I do think I like her. I. She's not Kristen Stewart for me, because like I like <laughs> I I do have a soft spot for Juno. I, I think it's overplayed now, obviously, but also Hard Candy was a really good Ooh, movie. Yeah, yeah, she's got several good indies under her, her belt. Her indie creds are good, but yeah. But as this, uh, she seems so out of place. It's out of place. She just seems like she's just mumbling through everything, Ben. Yeah, like I was just you know I, that could also be direction too. Yeah. I just don't know what this character her purpose was about. Like other than I mean the. The love triangle didn't even feel organic. You know what I mean? It felt like yeah. it, nothing led up to this. It just happened. Like I, what happened it's so to Bobby? Contrived. Yeah, like I thought Bobby and Rogue were mad for each other. Yeah, it's and it. But the thing is, is this is another seed of something that could have been presented nicely. Yeah. Like that that struggle with physical contact, and to not be able to Rogue and Bobby not to be able to be in physical contact with each other. That's that's interesting. Yeah, like there's there's something that could be explored there, mm-hmm. but. The dull, the just the dullness of Kitty Pride. The third actress to play Kitty Pride, by the way, because mm-hmm. Kitty had been in the two other movies That's as true. a very, very tiny part. <laughs> um, oh God. Well, luckily we jump to a nice scene after that. We're 15 minutes in the movie and we meet Hank McCoy, Woo! Beast, Kelsey Grammer. I do think he's fantastically cast, and he is doing the best with the crappy material. <laughs> I think he's the best part of this movie. Yeah, um, he's uh, he's got he brings the lightness and the humor to a very like self serious film, mm-hmm. and and also when when he starts kicking ass, he really kicks yeah. ass. That's like the, <laughs> it's, it's like the it's, first time you get to see '90s X Men cartoon beasts. So on the silly line. though. <laughs> it's like watching Teen Wolf. He's just like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll get the point. I'm gonna <laughs> um, no, he's 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 good, and and again, another seed of something that could have been developed really nicely yeah. is he he has every reason to want that cure. Yes, yeah, and so in this scene that that where we meet Beast, we meet the U.S. Cabinet. Yeah, he's uh, led into a meeting where he learns about Leech, the uh, the little boy uh, from Ultraviolet, who has the exact same powers as he does in Ultraviolet. <laughs> Remember Ultraviolet with Milo Djokovic? Yeah. He's literally the same character in both those movies. Super obscure 2008 reference. <laughs> uh, 2006, come on. Now. Came out the same year. Um, uh, and uh, But no, uh, Kelsey Grammer's Beast is great. Um, so he's led into a meeting where we find out Mystique has been captured. Yeah. And uh, that's just for us to know. It's not for Beast to know. Oh, we captured Mystique. You know, Eric's going to come for her. Mm. doesn't matter. We need you to go to Alcatraz. And then we get to, to watch Missy. One of the most groan-inducing lines in the history of this franchise 
What? I don't respond to my, my slave, slave name. name. Let me tell me all about your slave days, <laughs> Mystique. Tell me all about how hard it was uh, to uh, exist in 200 years of slavery. Shut. Oh my. <laughs> I, effing Brett Ratner. I yeah. just had to have come out of his belly scratching, Lindsay Lohan loving mind. Like, oh my gosh, we 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 let. You know, Simon Kingberg's is actually one of the most, like, we, we let this guy get off the hook way too much for this X-Men franchise because, you know, he, he's one of those kind of type of people who don't follow the comics or don't have a love for the comics. Mm-hmm. And and so that kind of translates to the films because he does have a lot of creative say in what goes into the script and whatnot. And I feel like that whole team's responsible for that, <laughs> that line. That line. <laughs> and that line is kind of an encompassing, like, uh, look into what they really feel about this, these characters and this, these stories mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And that's kind of like, that, yeah, you're right. That was the most groan-inducing. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's, and it's also to, to show the credit that credit should be given to Brian Singer because mm-hmm. in his vision of these characters and, and the seriousness that he took them at while still having fun in this very comic booky world, yeah. he never would have let a line like that slide. <laughs> that, that, you know, Kinsberg knows how to structure mm-hmm. a, a script, that's that's his forte. He mm-hmm. knows how to put together a structure, but not having the captain in the chair to say, "Hey, don't do that." <laughs> <laughs> we get a line like, "I don't answer to my slave name." Why yeah. is Mystique a thing? Is yeah. it because it was Rebecca Romaine and now it's Jennifer Lawrence? Boops. Why is why is she a thing? Mystique is not the best character that they could have done anything with, but somehow she's in every one of them. This could be. This is also like a. Uh, part of a discussion we could have when we're talking about the rest of the X-Men, but I, I am getting kind of tired of seeing the same characters, especially <laughs> the same two, three characters <laughs> being the lead. <laughs> I, I don't see anything special about Mystique. I think they kind of tapped out and what they could do that's interesting with Mystique. And mm-hmm. to be honest, it tapped out in first class. Yeah, and yeah. luckily Jennifer Lawrence's contract is up. She's done. We, we won't be seeing Mystique anymore. Yes! Yeah. We will not see her in whatever the next X-Men franchise is, or the next, whatever the next movie is. Yeah. Um, but, okay, we are, we are almost 20 minutes into this movie, and there's no plot development yet. Hmm. We don't know. We, I mean, you'd think we'd have seeds of it with we had, like, maybe the Phoenix is referenced in hmm. the beginning. Okay, could it be about her? No. We're, we've gone another 15 minutes without any reference to that. Is it about this cure? Okay, yeah, that's, that seems to be what this movie's going to be about. Uh, we go back to the, the school and Professor Xavier's teaching about power and responsibility, but he can't say power and responsibility because that's another franchise. <laughs> uh, with great power, you have to think about what he's, he's literally saying, power and responsibility. <laughs> or he wants to. He wants to say. Um, uh, but then uh, he has a chat with Storm about taking over the school because Halle Berry demanded more screen time or mm. something. And uh, Scott is... I'm an Oscar winner! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and again, you you would think here's a plot development about passing the torch. Nope, not not a thing. Uh, not a thing. Could have been a thing. Not a thing. Nah, brah. Uh, then B shows up to talk about the cure, uh, just as it's announced on TV. And then the gang has a little debate about whether mutants should be cured or not. And now here's a seed, a thread that could be developed into an interesting storyline yeah. to discuss them. And because Rogue's excited, and Beast even says, you know, you're not. It's a uh, and it's and it's certainly a seed that Singer wanted to plant mm. because it's a point made in X Men First Class. Yeah, like the idea of curing 
a mutation so you can go out in public. Mm. That's a main driving force behind X-Men First Class. Yes. Which Singer produced and helped write the script for. Mm. So clearly a seed he wanted to develop that Ratner screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> because there is a nice debate to be had there, and they don't have it. There is. And it's like a nice, touching sentiment and a kind of provocative thought on whether or not this is truly a bad thing. And... They, everything's done in such a superficial way. Like, this is the kind of thing that Zack Snyder does with all those Batman v Superman movies. They're trying to be provocative, controversial, and thoughtful in these, like, real-world issues and whatnot, but it's done in such a ham-fisted, yes. uh, <laughs> literal way. Very superficial. Yeah, that there is, they can't, a discussion can't be had because it's just like, here's everything on the table, have at it. <laughs> and now, you could say, well, a comic book movie's not a place to address that, hmm. but they already set a precedent because X-Men 1 and 2 address civil rights very well. Yes, absolutely. In a, in a nice, subtle, in a, in a good sci-fi way of yeah. holding up that mirror to society. And a very cool thing about X2 was, like, it, it even explored more about, like, because um, Brian Singer himself identifies as bisexual, mm -hmm. and, you know, a lot of this is an allegory for uh, coming out, coming yeah. out to the world There's as an the, LGBT person. The Iceman scene where he comes out to his parents. Yeah. So, well, can't you try not being a mutant? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's hitting you over the head, yeah. but it's still handled with a nice grace. Yeah. There's a little, there's weight to it. Yeah. I mean, Rogue is... Dis she's tired of all the dry humping over the shirt stuff she's been doing with, <laughs> she's been doing with Bobby. <laughs> she, so the cure would would appeal to this character, particularly because she's she has had somewhat of an arc from the first one into the second one, yeah. and could have been a character, a nice subplot in mm. this third one is with could have been with Rogue. It certainly is yeah. not because it's such a mishmash of ideas. Yes, absolutely. And there's such a great feminist moment that could have been had with with rogue in that that story point point too because like it was about uh women making their own choices rather than having societal pressures make those choices yeah, yeah. for them so whether or not it's like changing their identity or um ha having sexual relations with their partner or whatnot it's not being pressured into doing it's you know you're choosing to do it and, so. and there's there is a i'm going to just keep saying it over and over again the lost potentialness but bob even says at the end of the movie i never wanted this yeah and she's like i know i wanted it mm. and and that's there's a nice moment there that's lost in this garbage. <laughs> so I don't, I don't want to jump too far ahead into the discussion, but there is something at the end that happens to a primary character where they hint at his powers coming back. Mm -hmm. I, and I was just thinking about this after watching last scene. Like, what if, like, Rogue and Bobby are in mid makeout section or whatever, <laughs> and her powers come back and she destroys him? <laughs> <laughs> There is no cure. Well, Magneto then crashes an anti-cure rally and and uh, comes in and gives this whole speech to recruit. He recruits Callisto, mm -hmm. who is Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver mashed into one character. <laughs> um, uh, the, Miles from Lost, who mm -hmm. is a blowfish, some sort of sea urchin. <laughs> from Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. And some sort of dude girl mm -hmm. that doesn't have a single line in the movie. Uh, she's what, like a, what was her powers? Uh, like a... I think she had like it's her name is Arcolite and she had some sort of like shockwave ability power. Oh, okay. Target the guns. She melts <laughs> the gun. Is that a guy? Like is that a is that a, I I'm impressed that they would go so far as to have a transgender person in a, such a major comic book movie in 2006, but that is a a a, a person. Very progressive. Very progressive. Uh, we don't have we have yet to have Mr. Sinister. <laughs> But we got Calypso <laughs> and Blowfish Guy. <laughs> Come on, TC. What's, and, what's wrong with this picture here? Okay, so I actually had to look into whoever the hell Arcolite was being played by. Yeah. Uh, she's she's apparently a model uh -huh. and Brett Ratner's girlfriend. Okay. 
we'll have it at that. Okay. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> that. That's how she got in the movie. Yeah. Literally serving no purpose whatsoever. Nepotism is real. She's so... I remember being very confused by her. <laughs> like, is that a guy? Am I attracted to you? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So then we go back to one of the four locations this movie continues to go to, Alkali Lake. We're mm. back again. We just keep going back to Alkali Lake. This is where Jean died in the last movie. Uh, she comes back from the dead, mm. and she kills uh, James Marsden for what I'm assuming is the bell-bottom jeans he was wearing and being in Superman Returns. This is for Superman Returns. Seriously though, this this is this is a this is a fact. <laughs> the reason Cyclops was killed mm. is because James Marsden was in Brian Singer's Superman Returns. Yeah. So they killed him as that'll that'll teach you. How dare you go <laughs> with Singer? Yeah. Because Tom Rothman, the head of Fox, mm. hated Brian Singer and did everything he could to box this guy out. Do you do you know this story? I did. I from, think, think you mentioned before. From from the get of X-Men and Brian Singer getting attached to it, Tom Rothman, the head of Fox at the time, cut the budget halfway through production mm-hmm. and moved the release date up just to try to screw Singer over. And with the idea that X... This was pre-comic book movies. This was, this was before comic book movies was a genre unto itself. This movie's going to fail. Mm-hmm. Let's just get it. Cut the, cut the budget off, move the date up, and hey, X-Men is came out and it was good yeah and then they signed singer for x-men 2 much to the disagreement of tom rothman and mm-hmm. what did he do he cut the budget again and moves to the release date up again trying to screw singer but singer was prepared for it this time yeah and x-men 2 came out and opening weekend made the sum gross of x-men 1 what do you do when that happens don't you sign the director for another movie right after that no you cut the budget again <laughs> Rothman refused to sign mm-hmm. Singer for a third movie, despite yeah. X-Men 2 doing what it did. So Warner Brothers came to Singer and said, hey, we know the reason you made movies is because of Superman. How would you like to make Superman? Mm. And Singer went, well, they haven't signed me up for X-Men yet, so I can do both. Yeah. And as soon as he signed the contract for uh, Superman, Rothman said, hey, we want to sign you for X-Men 3. These <laughs> are the dates. Oh, I'm sorry. You have a previous engagement? Guess you're not doing this. Mm. Hey, rat, get in here. <laughs> Brit rat. Um, but when Marsden went with Singer, hmm. Rothman made an executive order that Cyclops had to be killed. Oh, wow. That's and... some mafioso <laughs> stuff right there. And we get, yeah, Scott died. What happened to Scott? Oh, well, he gets a tombstone at the end, I guess. <laughs> Stay petty, Mr. Rothman. Ay, ay, ay. That, that death made no sense, TC. <laughs> It's, I'm just wondering what the purpose was because, I mean, other than the stuff happening behind the scenes. Right, like, but narratively. Because at first, you can see like his veins and his skin kind of turning green, and mm-hmm. like his soul, his life being sucked out of him. I thought, okay, maybe Phoenix is taking his energy or power or something. But yeah, that's never explained. No, you just find his glasses, <laughs> <laughs> and then she melts his glasses, and that's it. What yeah. happened to Scott? Get rid of those glasses. <laughs> uh, make out. All right, let's do it. So then, then Storm and Logan show up, right? And there's fog everywhere, and he's all like, I can't see anything. And Storm's <laughs> like, let me fix that. Why didn't she do that when they landed? They, <laughs> la- they landed in that. Why leave all the fog? Ugh. Because we need to see Holly's face. And then they get Jean back, mm-hmm. and she's brought back to uh, the, the Man- school. Mansion. Right? But before that, we get Angel's back. Yep. <laughs> Don't forget the kid from the opening of the movie. I know it's been 35 minutes, 
but here he is again <laughs> to get the cure from his dad. Uh-huh. And he has a moment where he's like strapped, and then he's like, I can't do it. I can't do it, Dad. No, son, it'll be fine. And he busts us out, and then he does the angel pose where mm-hmm. his like, chest is all pumped up. And then he proves that he has a second mutant ability, and that's to not be cut by a glass as diving through a glass window. Very impressive. Yeah, it was very good. And he also moons, moonlights as a Chippendale dancer. Mm, very sexy. <laughs> um, and again, yet another pointless scene, which must have been an idea for a scene mm. that they're like, oh, yeah, don't forget to put this in the movie. Yeah. Again, the potential to have a conversation between a father and son where it 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 has the elements of that Christian right belief that you can cure homosexuality. Uh. And that's a that's a seed that could have that's a avenue that could have been explored. He could have been easily the human <clears throat> villain of this X Men, like how Senator Kelly was for the first one. Mm-hmm. And having that rift between a father and a son who is also a mutant, that's fascinating. And yeah. Why, why do we have – all three of those X-Men movies have someone who wants to – okay, so the first one you have Magneto wants to turn everyone into a mutant. Yeah. Then you have Stryker who wants to kill all the mutants. Uh-huh. And then we have another guy who wants to get rid of all the mutants. Like Stryker was a great villain for X-Men too. You could have done something completely different with this third movie, but no, we're going back to the kill all the mutants. Yeah. all right so um action set piece time the government knows magneto is going to come for mystique they know he's going to come for her Mm. so let's put her in a metal vehicle Mm. and drive her around (laughs) and uh magneto busts mystique out of the truck which is has some cool moments in it like when he flips the truck Mm. whenever i'm stuck in traffic i wish i had the abilities magneto to just (laughs) 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 Um, sapiens uh and mystique hey come on 21st century H word. Yeah, we just say mute. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mystique uh, is cured by the cure gun, mm. and we get Jamie Mardox, or James Mardox, as they for some reason named him, Multiple Man. And uh, the McSteamy jug- from Grey's Anatomy. Is it? Is that? Oh, he's from Grey's Anatomy? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Juggernaut. Mm. And another, another character who was cut from the scripts was supposed to be Gambit. Really? And you know who almost played Gambit in that Brett Ratner imagining? Yeah. Who? Kevin Federline. Oh my god. Yeah, remember that guy? Is oh that a, is that a name you haven't That's a name you haven't heard in a few years. I w- I would have wanted to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Make it so. So, we get Mardox, uh, we get Multiple Man and and a very lazy introduction of that character yeah. and and then Juggernaut mm. in one of the most horrifying prosthetics. If the CG wasn't scary enough from the beginning of this movie <laughs> to see that plastic uh, Power Rangers chest piece. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> and I like uh, Vin uh, Vin Jones. Vin yeah. Jones is a great actor and not a, not a terrible choice for that that character even. It, it could work. It yeah. could it could have worked. Just give him a better costume and and uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know the the moment when Mystique took the uh, the cure bullet, dart the yeah. dart thing yeah. for Magneto and mm-hmm. then she turned back to a human. Um, that's got to be the most unMagneto moment in X Men franchise history. Yeah, like he just turns her his back on her yeah. like that. Like I I would like to think that the Magneto we all know and love would have crushed that guy's face. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he would have like wrapped something around him. Just how did you? And then he would have taken Mystique and like. Because now he has a reason for vengeance. Yeah. I mean, it was one thing before where, like, I want to stop this cure. You know, this this could have been the moment in the script where he learns of the cure. Yeah. Because 
he had learned it before at the rally, like they announced it on TV. But to see it in, in execution, literally, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's an execution of Mystique as a mutant. Yeah. That could have gave him all the vengeance he needed mm-hmm. to drive him for the rest of the movie. It's personal. Yeah. You know, and, it's time. Yeah. And, and, and to explore what a character, him becoming unhinged in his anger. Yeah. Nope. He just turns his back on her. Right. All right. Naked Rebecca remain on the ground. I mean, Ian McKellen is gay, so maybe that had something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so back at the school, sexy Jean Grey kicks Logan's ass, and she escapes, and then Magneto and Charles both converge on Jean in another big, the biggest, one of the biggest scenes in the whole movie. It's at Jean's old house, and it's the, the psychic battle between Jean and Charles. Well, one of the most boring fight scenes between Callisto and Storm happens, <laughs> and Wolverine is tossed around like a ragdoll by a juggernaut. Yeah. When, uh, okay. Also, pointless death number yes, two. Pointless death number two. Yeah. Scott's death was was pointless. What's tr- I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. What what the hell happened here? It's the classic death of the mentor incites some sort of vengeful will inside our hero trope is the point uh, the plot of this movie there's two movies here yeah there's the cure movie mm. and there's the phoenix movie yes and we're having a real hard time balancing the two of these uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> and it's like every other scene uh, sh- surely there must be a fan edit of this movie out somewhere that's that's better <laughs> i don't know 90 minutes is super short man even if you cut like an hour oh god still not much <laughs> so so charles dies and we get a crying wolverine and crying storm <laughs> crying over a chair crying over a chair um like, so anyway i guess there's a funeral for professor xavier no 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 funeral for scott by the way yeah they're just like <laughs> f that guy uh and uh we get we return to the contrived love triangle of bobby being a total asshole by taking kitty on a date mm. why are you touching her why are you touching her bobby and now ellen page is quite young looking <laughs> So there could be, like, I watch that scene and think, like, oh, it could be, like, a brother-sister-y sort of thing just because she's so little-looking and young-looking. Yeah. And, and Bobby... Just waiting for Chris Hansen to come out of the corner yeah, and be like, like have, a, have a seat. Have a seat. Have a seat, Bobby. Have a nice man seat. What are you doing with those wine coolers, Bobby? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, I'm just going to I'm gonna speed round this, Ben. Okay. Speed it! Okay. So the speed round of pointlessness, pointlessness that is the next half hour of 40 minutes of this movie. Uh, Magneto has a camp in the woods full of mutants that he's recruited. Beast says the school should stay closed. Warren shows up. Hey, a third angel scene. Says he wants to stay there. Storm decides that the school's going to stay open. And she's like, tell the kids the school's going to stay open. No one told him it was going to close. You're just going to freak some kids out. Whatever. Wolverine gets a message from, a psychic message from Gene. Pyro runs into Bobby at the care place where he's trying to look for Rogue. And he blows the place up. And Bobby just stands there and watches the fire like an asshole. You have ice powers. Use it. <sighs> uh, Magneto threatens the humans on TV. The president decides to send his troop to Alcatraz because that's what a president would do. Protect a lab, right? Uh, Wolverine attacks Magneto's camp. We get another action set piece with, like, Bone Dude. It's it's like a... Have you ever seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail where yeah. the guys are running up to the castle and they just keep showing the same clip of them running up to the castle? <laughs> and then suddenly he's at the castle? Yeah. It's that with the with the Bone Dude. Bone Dude. Completely pointless multiple man scene in the woods where the, they converge on the Magneto's camp and it's, mm. and it's Jamie. Uh, and then the final attack of the Alcatraz. Yeah. There you go. That's 25 minutes of movie I just named. Woo! That was more, that was more uh, invigorating. The final scene at Alcatraz. Okay. Featuring uh, the pointless destruction of the Golden Gate Bridge. Yes. Uh, a boat would have been fine. <laughs> I, I suppose. You know what? 
a simple moment of Magneto going, we need to get over there. Well, should we get a boat? No. I want to send a message. Yeah. And then destroying the Golden Gate. Something like that. Makes more sense. Just, but no, we didn't. We need to do that. And then it Brett goes. Brett like, this is tight. We're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> now, initially, this Alcatraz bust out situation was in the middle of the script. Oh. This, is, this was originally going to be how Mystique was rescued. Okay. That she was going to be at the Cure location. Hmm. And they were going to Golden Gate Bridge fight scene to get to that. But mm. someone decided, no, that should be the final set piece of the movie. That should have been the opening. Oh, my God, yeah. That was badass. <laughs> Take that, Nightcrawler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then a shameful use, just a just an unforgivable use of an internet meme. <laughs> Don't you know who I am? I'm the juggernaut, bitch. <laughs> I, I know that when I saw it in theaters, there were people who were like, yay! And I was like, no. You just canonized a meme. <laughs> Did you know what you just done, brother? <laughs> Although I do admit that uh, Kitty Juggernaut foot chase was badass. That's a cool That's a cool fight scene. It's, it's just cool ruined scene. completely by that. Yeah, it was totally negated by yeah. that moment. And even Ellen Page's line, like... Something, something, dickhead. Yeah. Dickhead. <laughs> yeah, C- come and come and get me, dickhead. That was a very Juno. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the best take. Really? I mean, they used it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have a better line delivery. Oh, this is that. true. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then uh, the. Okay, so so the whole. Okay, so at the beginning of the movie, in this, when Storm and Wolverine are arguing about working as a team, uh, Wolverine, you know, does the Cannonball special to take down the Sentinel. Mm. Um, then Wolverine's like looking and it's like, okay, how are we going to stop Magneto and, and Pyro's throwing cars? We work as a team. Everyone's split up. <laughs> it's, it's, now we'll discuss this when we get to Apocalypse, but uh, um, there is a way to utilize a team fight mm-hmm. <laughs> where everyone's powers has a purpose in mm-hmm. the fight. This was not it. Yeah. A cannonball special again for the distraction so that Beast could sneak up behind Magneto and cure him, which is, albeit a good, good way to end things. The, yeah. Um, and then we get the, oh, uh, the Cure storyline is done. Let's take care of the Phoenix storyline because mm-hmm. she's about to go crazy bananas. Yeah. Uh, Wolverine, go kill her. And you get pointless death number three. <laughs> just pointless arc in general. Like I love you. I just hated how they treated Jean just as a device. She became a horror movie monster. Yeah. <laughs> like a voiceless, nameless horror movie monster that had no internal struggle, had no sort of motivation and no explanation to how she achieved her powers. She was just stressed and she became the Phoenix. <laughs> I do like watching the Wolverine fight her psychic as he's walking towards her cool. and his like yeah. skin's peeling off. And, Even like, though his pants stay His pants stay <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I want Wolverine butt. Okay, uh, but she dies. Um, and then we get the epilogue of the movie where Leech is allowed to go to the school, but that's going to be the worst experience ever. Who wants to be in a class with that kid? <laughs> Um, Storm All right, Hulk. we're doing sparring today. <laughs> Leech, okay, ow. Um, Rogue comes back, even though Bobby is probably banging Kitty at this point. Um, and Magneto is cured. Yes. Which means everyone is cured, which means none of this matters, mm. which means the only thing that wa- that comes out of this movie is that Scott is dead. That's it. <laughs> Scott's still like, what? I'm still effed out of all this? <laughs> uh, because Phoenix has the ability to come back from the dead. Yes. And Charles put his face and body into a <laughs> into a into Moira's little uh comatose patient yeah. pa- patient the post credit sequence mm. which is which I didn't realize Moira was in, in, even in this movie right <laughs> <laughs> uh 
So there you go. X-Men, The Last Pointlessness. X-Men, The Three. Kickstand. So I, I, I suppose going through the whole movie like that was, I mean, initiate some points of conversation. But, yeah. Uh, I do admit upon rewatching, because this is the only, that's only the second time I've seen it. Because mm-hmm. I was kind of furious when it came out 2006. I was a junior in high school. Yeah. And this was even before my taste really developed. I knew this was a garbage movie. <laughs> and everyone kept trying to argue with me that this is the best. This is the best and stuff like that. But it's not. <laughs> I just it's don't understand. Because one, not only is it so many characters, and a lot of people were trying to argue with me. There were a lot of characters in the first two. However, those were glorified cameos as opposed right. to uh, trying to give Warring Warrington the third eight arc, mm-hmm. trying to give Phoenix an arc, trying to give Wolverine an arc, trying to give Storm an arc, trying to give Professor X an yeah. arc. It's like everyone has an arc, but it goes nowhere. There, it doesn't feed to like yeah. an overall arcing narrative. Wolverine is the central character, mm-hmm. um, and Charles and Meg- Eric are the protagonist antagonist. Yes. And Rogue is like there's four main characters in that original mm-hmm. first one. In the second one, uh, you know, Wolverine again, because mm-hmm. you got Stryker as your main antagonist, and their relationship is kind of um, uh, one of the tent poles of the whole story. Yeah. Um, Nightcrawler has an arc, um, but uh, Stryker is the main arc of the whole of X Men 2. Yeah. And then you got X Men 3, and you're right. Like, everyone is trying to. It just, it's not how <laughs> ensemble movie writing works. You Absolutely. still have to have a central mm-hmm. storyline. Even. In a shorter time frame, too, which is even more egregious. <laughs> <laughs> and as as many problems, as there are many problems I had with this movie, I actually didn't hate it as much as I thought I did, which is kind of surprising. That was, like, the biggest shock to me was, like, I didn't feel like this was completely lost. Like, I, maybe I was appreciative more the second time because I could see the potential mm-hmm. of where it was going, even though it wasn't on screen. Um I just, I didn't hate it as much. Yeah. It's just so dull. It's milk toast. Yeah, I don't, I don't hate this movie. I really, I, after doing my complete rewatch of the franchise before Days of Future Past, yeah, I realized that the 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 distance between the quality of all these films is small. Mm-hmm. It's not X Men Three and X Men Wolverine Origins at the bottom and X Men Two at the top. Yeah, I mean, yes, that's true, but the space between in mm-hmm. quality is not as is not as drastic as some other franchise movies are yeah um because those first two have aged okay yeah yeah they're, we, they're very of its time <laughs> we, we've done a rewatch of the first x-men mm-hmm. you and i did that i did an x-men wolverine uh x-men origins wolverine with nick um as one of our previous episodes and we've certainly have lot have had lots of conversations uh, i remember when days of future past do you remember when building up to that? Yeah, we were like Days of Future Past. We were most excited for Cap. Well, I think it was Cap Two was two, mm. and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy was three. Like that was oh our summer. Oh boy, were we and, wrong? And it was like <laughs> flip that. That's like yeah. Days of Future Past ended up being disappointing mm. for the most part. I know a lot of people love that movie, and I yeah. walked out of it kind of like it was good. Mm. Um, at best. At best, uh, X-Men is an allegory for the civil rights movement. Mm. Professor Xavier is a Martin Luther King avatar, or analog, mm. and Eric Magneto is a Malcolm X. Mm. It's it's going for the rights of mutants yes. by different means. Mm-hmm. And, and like all good sci-fi, it's holding up that mirror. I've said that time and time again. Um, this movie, it seems to be attempting to have some sort of message on terrorism. Yes. In the post 9 11 uh, strike first, mm-hmm. you know, strike before we're struck yeah. situation. 
uh, with the cure, with with the the way the president acts in this film, mm-hmm. it, it seems to be it could be an allegory for that. Yeah. But it's so mishandled, mm. and the gravity of of a lot of what makes the X Men so good is completely lost by boring choices. Yes, absolutely. And what's so cool about the X Men movies, as opposed to a lot of things in the MCU, is it is so sci fi. Like Guardians was a space opera and it was fun, mm-hmm. but this was like this was like serious hard sci-fi in a way for comic book movies, as as hard as these comic book movies can go. Um, you know, the, a lot of these things are so interesting, like you said, but it's done in such a mundane, milquetoast way that it's just, I, I could see it done way better as a student film or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was just so many missed opportunities in this. Yeah. Um, but like you said, you don't hate it. Yeah, it's I, just forgettable. Yeah, it's it's just whatever. It, it was fun. It was fast, but it wasn't. Um, it's not an X Men movie. There's nothing. There's nothing truly memorable. I, I, Kelsey Grammer is the most memorable thing yeah. about this movie because he is so well cast and He's, well handled. And he did. He was the best part of the movie. I, you know, what? I've, I've put this on the same level as that one other Fox property about the semi mutant mind power with Chris Evans and Dakota Fanning. Push, okay. push. <laughs> this was push. This was push. <laughs> same level. Just, just forgettable yeah it's it's a weak it's one of the weakest of the x-men movies because it had no direction to it it had no message behind Mm. it it wasn't trying anything new Mm. uh, which is unfortunate because there's so much talent in that cast yeah and uh, and the universe is ripe with potential you had said before um you you touched on something about 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 the x-men movies i think before this movie came out, maybe it was after, I, I can remember saying, look, stop trying to make these movies bigger and make them smaller. Just have a very small story. Give me five X-Men on a mission. Like a, like a, almost a, like Predator. Like that first Predator is a very contained, it's just a few handful of characters going up against one villain in a one location. I'm not, and I, I know they could never do that with X-Men because they need to be bigger, bigger, bigger. But pare it down. Yeah. <laughs> Pare it down. Don't don't put the stakes so high, mm. and you could follow follow a character arc. And yeah. you know how I know that works? How's there? Deadpool. Yeah. Deadpool is an X Men movie. Mm-hmm. Colossus is in it. That counts. Yeah. <laughs> it's Negasonic Super Teen. <laughs> Negasonic Teenage Warhead. Negasonic Teenage Warhead. <laughs> uh, but Deadpool is an X Men movie, and it and it proves that you can do a simplified story. You yeah. can make it simple, and have a much better movie than mm. trying tell 10 different story arcs yeah <laughs> uh, it was at the end of the day it was just wasted yeah that's all we can remember it for but i still say you need to watch this movie yeah you need it to to appreciate the ending of mm-hmm. days of future mm-hmm. past so i mean what, what do you have anything else you'd like to say about x-men 3 um i think i think i got everything off my chest tc <laughs> okay so chest. off off the cuff with no pre i didn't preempt you that on this say so you're going to be put on the spot here <gasps> off the top of your head okay considering all i guess nine x-men movies because i will put deadpool in the mix here Whew. put them in order from worst to best oh my gosh worst to and best. you can consider the next one because we're going to take a break here and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about x-men apocalypse okay so, so don't say where apocalypse is or yeah put apocalypse in there. put apocalypse yeah in. so so there's nine yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> this is tough okay so just off the cuff you can uh, certainly change your list later i'll say wolverine origins it's the worst worst okay um Did okay you... last stand yeah okay apocalypse mm-hmm. oh yeah <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> Even below the Wolverine? Even You know what? Because I enjoyed the first half of the Wolverine. Ooh, okay. And I, right. I, I'll, I'll talk more about Apocalypse. Because right. Apocalypse and Last Stand, I'm like, I'm tempted to switch <laughs> them, actually. <laughs> so we got Wolverine, uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine, mm-hmm. X-Men Last Stand. Last Stand. Apocalypse. Uh, Apocalypse. The Wolverine. The Wolverine. Okay, there's your bottom four. Then we have... X-Men 1 and 2, Days of Future Past, and First Class. Okay. Man, I'm losing track. Uh, X Men One, X Two, Deadpool. No, 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 no. X Men One. Yeah. Deadpool. X Two. Deadpool. No, no, no. Wait, wait. <laughs> so X Two, X Two is your so X Two is your number three. Uh, so yeah, you have First Class and Days of Future Past. Days, X Men One, Deadpool, X Two, First Class. First Class is yeah, your number one. Okay. <laughs> I, I made it, America. <laughs> I can count. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well, that that we it had been a it's been a while since yeah. we've done a, a, a real rewatchment. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that we we got back to form Woo! here. So Odd, across the table, high Odd five. five. <laughs> so uh, let's take a quick break here. Thank everyone for listening to that. If you have any comments on X Men Three, please mm-hmm. feel free to throw them in the comments. We're gonna take a quick break here, and we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about X Men Apocalypse. If you have not seen X Men Apocalypse, spoilers galore. We are not gonna mm-hmm. hold back. Um, if you have seen it, we feel free to come back if not thank you for listening hit up the comments section check us out on facebook and twitter firmantfilms.com at benji toes for ben's twitter and instagram Woo! Uh, but we'll take a quick break here and we'll be right back professor x is bald what spoiler <laughs> Welcome back. Okay, so nice little break there. We are going to dive into X-Men Apocalypse. <laughs> what I did my one-minute rewatch for the animated series, Yeah, I said the new movie was X-Men Age of Apocalypse, which is incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> so I had that to was go- the original title. I, oh, same all uh, But I had to go in and trim out Age of, yeah. <laughs> which was really difficult for audio editing. X-Men Apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you put this... In the bottom of the barrel. Should I should I say the list again? <laughs> uh, just we don't have to do the whole list again because yeah. you put first class as your best. Yes. And Wolverine Origins, uh, X Men Origins Wolverine as yes. your bottom. Mm-hmm. And just above that, you put X Men Last Stand. And just above that, your bo- your third from the bottom. Yeah. Is a is Apocalypse. I'm I'm tempted to even say Last Stand Apocalypse ties because like. They're like, oh my the, god, they're what? on the same level for me. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Well, well, why? Why? Okay, so, uh, for, I mean, if you've seen the movie, we don't need. We're not going to recap the movie. Yeah, just dive in, man. What, what didn't you like about this movie? Um, majority of the things, it's like it's going back to the well again of the same old bag of tricks that Brian Singer does. Um, and it, I find it ironic because you alluded to that one kind of shot at Brett Ratner earlier about the line they had at the mall scene. Like <laughs> yeah. the third one's usually the worst of the trilogy. Yeah. When this is like the trilogy of the the first class trilogy. Yeah. The end, and it's ironic because this was the worst. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because Singer even yeah. said he goes, uh, "We we 
put that line in as a as a joke. Obviously, we, mm. we were discussing it in the writers' room, and we also knew we were setting ourselves up because this is our third movie. <laughs> <laughs> and like, uh, just what I was uh, alluding to earlier about the same old bag of tricks is like Magneto going back to Auschwitz, um, uh, like crazy villain taking over the whole world as yeah. opposed to just a sector of it, and. Um, there's, oh gosh, there's another point that I forgot, but I just felt like a lot, of, just like Last Stand, there's a lot of parallels, a mm. lot of elements that were underutilized, a lot of elements overutilized, <laughs> um, a lot of people having arcs and a lot of uninteresting arcs too. Like why is Mystique in the forefront of everything? Yeah. Again. <laughs> I, I do think she had, they gave her far less to do in this one than yeah. they did in the, the first two of this, of this trilogy mm. thankfully um, and how how about J- uh give it up for j-law oscar winner uh phoning it in <laughs> oh yeah yeah she there she's she's bad right like i mean <laughs> she was phoning it in very clearly yeah uh, her line deliveries are so stiff just dead inside <laughs> mutant and proud um i love michael fassbender stuff the magneto stuff magneto is the best marvel villain yeah of all the Marvel villains, I don't think there's anyone better than him. Uh, you have to give it to Fassbender. Not not McAvoy in this movie. I, I usually tend to like him, but in every other scene, it looks like he was crying. <laughs> <laughs> but Fassbender gives his all for everything, even if the material's garbage. Yeah, I loved yeah. his his scene with like uh, in Poland where he's trying to stay in hiding. Yeah. Uh, his it it goes to what I was saying with X Men Three, where they had this opportunity of like I feel this way. And Mystique was targeted, and now it's personal. Mm. And now he has this single-minded anger. Yeah. And I think that was shown in this movie, mm. where it's like we're in Age of in Apocalypse, where he he just just leave me alone, just leave me alone. It's that it's that unforgiven attitude where yeah. it's just like I'm I'm out I'm out <laughs> I'm back in, <laughs> and I have single-minded vengeance. I'm back. He he threw up the blinders, and Fassbender did such a nice job of showing that like. That numbness mm. of whatever it's it's pointless. Yeah. I've I've lost my family twice now. Mm-hmm. What is the point here? Yeah, um, and it's this time is done okay. I thought first class, it was done way better. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when they kill his wife and child in the forest, mm-hmm. and he just looks up into the sky and yells, "Is this what you want?" <laughs> <laughs> I was so confused because, like, here we get this really complex Shakespearean performance, and then that's, like, no different from when Wolverine was screaming at the end when he stabs Gene at the last stand. Uh, I think <laughs> it was a little better. There's more gravity in, in Magneto's moment. I can never take those moments seriously. It's such, like, an 80s, 90s moment to look up into the sky after your loved one has died and go, no! That's why cinema sins always sins. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. no. Ding. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just I was kind of confused because this movie did feel very dated, like mm-hmm. even for a 2016 film. And I've never felt like Brian Singer was like an innovative filmmaker. I thought he has he has a lot of good tricks and he does them well. Mm-hmm. But I kind of think we we seen all those tricks already. Yeah. And you know how many times can we see Cerebro? And how many times, you know, are we gonna do stuff at the school and the school blows up? <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like Deadpool says. Yeah. yeah. It's like you guys blow this thing up every now. <laughs> <laughs> I just think I felt cheated because like a lot of the new X Men that they were teasing us that they were going to introduce, mm-hmm. 
it's they seemed very interesting, but they had like one minute of like, like Psylocke is completely pointless in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Which, Even Storm to an extent. Yeah, but Storm had an arc. It Storm was had an arc. small as it was. Yeah. she did have an arc. She she proved herself right from the get that she uh, she liked uh, Mystique was her idol. So to yeah. see Mystique in the end standing up, mm. she realizes okay, I'm doing that. So she actually had a nice little mini like uh, an arc. Yeah, uh, but Psylocke didn't. Psylocke, Psylocke and Angel did not. They Angel were, being done dirty again. Well, he's, like, <laughs> he's just a crappy character. I know Angel Warren Worthington III is one of the original five X Men. Yeah, he's one of the. He was in X Men number one. Mm. He has never been interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Even when he was made Archangel in the original Apocalypse run back in the eighties or whatever. Yeah, and he became the Blue Metal Winds mm. Wings Angel. <laughs> I'm sorry, I Angel just, fans out there. I just thought the whole Apocalypse crew looked like a cheesy 90s yeah. metal cover band. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but at the same time, they did establish that he did have his four horsemen in the opening sequence, the Egypt yeah. sequence. Which, neat sequence. Hmm. It was nice to see that play out. Eyeball-melting CGI. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, now, what other new mutants that they said they were going to introduce like what are you are you talking jubilee yeah ben dc people love jubilee i understand (laughs) it but what could jubilee have possibly offered to this story yeah what i always thought like especially in x-men one and two the rogue character that was always supposed to be jubilee yeah i mean it's that well that's because jubilee's power is stupid She has it a can good, be cool. She has a cool story, yeah, and that's why they gave it to Rogue. It can Rogue, be cool. Rogue has the cool powers. TC, <laughs> it can be cool. I, I, I'm just challenging your fanboy geekdom <laughs> in you telling me yeah. how Jubilee could possibly lend anything to an X-Men story. I just think it would have been interesting, especially from like a more progressive kind of lens. She got to would... go to the mall. Which was cut. <laughs> we, we see them exit the mall. <laughs> they saw Return of the Jedi. God. So, anyway, so, so they, what could Jubilee of all people offer to a sto- to this story? I mean, we could sit down and talk about like how we can rewrite the narrative and so on and so forth. But I just feel like if you're going to promote and advertise and say, "Hey, she is part of the new four like new class of mutants that's mm-hmm. coming in." And she's in all the interview circuits. She's in all the behind-the-scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. But she gets stun-gunned in the <laughs> beginning of the second act, and she falls asleep on the lawn for the rest of the movie. <laughs> That's so stupid. I'm just, she, I'm just she, playing devil's advocate. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I know you're not missing. I mean, deep down inside, I know you hate Jubilee. But, like, <laughs> I'm just like, okay. <laughs> I saw the one-minute rewatchman. <laughs> I'm just, I don't know. It, it just feels... Like, there could have been more done with these new characters, especially these new characters. X-Men has always had a problem of where, like, you know, we're, we're trying to make it an allegory about civil rights and mm-hmm. for LGBT rights and whatnot and so on and so forth, but the mutants of color are always in the background. Like, Jubilee... There's lots of blue characters. There's lots of blue characters. <laughs> <laughs> and orange and purple and green and so on and so forth. But I mean, like, Storm, I feel like she's like, She's a goddess. She's an African goddess. and She's Black uh, Panther's wife. Yes. Which will never happen. And the fact that we've had four movies of her played by Halle Berry, and this one, like, Alexandra Ship looks like she you know, she can hold it down the fort and whatnot. Yeah. And the Mohawk she, looks the, tight. The best storm has ever been. Yeah. And her character looks great. I just feel, 
the fangirl uh, approach with that character just doesn't seem right with Storm being the goddess that she is. Mm-hmm. And she, everyone's just to the sidelines again. You know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of the problem with the opening act of uh, Days of Future Past. While it was really cool, all the mutants of color were nameless, faceless devices there to die. <laughs> and oh, Jubilee is, like, one of the most interesting because she's one of the few Asian-American characters in the X-Men pantheon, but also... Like, she resembled that time in comics, like, late 80s, early 90s, mm. like, bright pastel colors and rock and roll and arcades and stuff like that. <laughs> it's just so cool. If we're going to do it in this period, we got to have a character that embodied that time. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like a waste. Do you watch Game of Thrones? Yes. Okay. Uh, so you're caught up on the most recent stuff? Yes, I'll cut it. So I'm certainly not going to go any spoilers on, but I'm trying to use this as a point. Uh, um, Tyrion. Yes. Is trying to prevent war and free the slaves mm. he decides to prevent war he can't free the slaves yeah because these are two battles that need full focus he can only do one at a time mm. Bran singer is um homosexual yes and he bisexual he he uses uh uh x-men to um as this uh, as this approach to approach civil rights but particularly mm. uh, the choice of homosexuality versus the genetics of homosexuality yeah and and he is he's using these movies in some small capacity smaller capacity in this movie than he has in x-men one and two mm. to address those social issues yeah uh so he can he's trying to fight that battle in a flashy comic book movie yeah uh to then try to also tackle civil rights from a person of color aspect mm. is that two big wars that he can't fight at the same time I'm I'm offering that as a as a thought. I'm not yeah. I'm not trying to defend defend it or attack it. I'm just curious yeah. to is he's he's already addressing a huge social issue mm. from that respect. Yes, choice versus it's just who you are. Yeah, uh, and all all of the movies that he's been heavily involved in. That's the, one of the key themes. X Men mm. One, X Men Two. Um, First class days of future past, and now this one. Mm-hmm. One of the key elements, one of the thematic keys, is choice versus reality. Yes, and uh, I, f- I feel like he presents some interesting questions mm-hmm. and comments about that aspect yeah. of it. So yes, I I, I understand your your uh, unappreciation or your um your distaste for not addressing some civil rights issues from the person of color aspect of yeah. it. But he is holding the flag, leading the charge for homosexuality and transgender and LGBT community. This is a valid argument. However, I do counter with this is coming from a white LGBTQ perspective. This is, a, this is kind of along the lines of why white feminism is so problematic is because it's not intersectional. Mm-hmm. Like we don't think about, well, aren't there queers of color? Are there like uh, women of color and mm-hmm. so on and so forth? And we're always talking about how uh, women are being paid 87 cents to the dollar <laughs> of uh, their male counterparts and stuff, but that's white women. Like, black women are even paid less. Yeah, it's like 72. <laughs> yeah, and so, like, I, I find that um, the the illusion and the, the the device that he uses often in these movies about how uh, certain mutants can hide who they are and certain mutants can't. Yeah. And that that's a perfect thing to talk about when it comes to mutants of color, mm-hmm. but that's not addressed because, well, he is a white bisexual man, and that's something that kind of flies under his radar. And as much as you want to with this flag and so on and so forth but that's kind of the problem when you don't when you ignore intersectionality and i think a lot of the 
this film does and stuff like that. And that's why, like, it's a huge thing. Like, as much as we want to tell Professor X being MLK and Magneto being Malcolm X and stuff. They're still like that. Not only that, but, like, I find that problematic because Malcolm X did just as much for us as MLK did. He's Mm -hmm. not just this militant guy that we want to portray as the, 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 the villain of the Civil Rights Act. He did just as much, and he's a Civil Reds hero. Mm-hmm. And like to portray Magneto in a way where uh, that's why I like the first class everything, like with Michael Fassbender because he's an anti-hero. And if we got more of that instead of just like, I'm sad, so I'm going to murder now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like as powerful as it is, because it's all driven by Michael Fassbender's performance. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think his arc is as nuanced as it could be, mm-hmm. and that's because the creators aren't thinking of it in a nuanced way. They're thinking of it in a very superficial way. And, like, yes, you're totally right that he's waving this flag and he's leading the charge in all these issues. It's just, like, one iota of an issue that could be addressed even more. And what we've seen in this year's Utopia is, like, there is no, like, excuse to, like, ignore these issues anymore, <laughs> especially in a popcorn film. Like, if the, if a kid's movie can do it, why can't an X-Men movie? The, the most ripest of all properties, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, I'm not asking for Jubilee to be the hero <laughs> or a storm to be the hero but like uh why not put him in place of mystique why not put him in place of calypso why do we need another wolverine movie? hey calypso was a person of color by the way this is true but like <laughs> i just i don't need to see another wolverine movie it's like the i guess the the kind of thesis here like we we don't need to see the same three characters <laughs> mm-hmm. like it's a, that's just why i love this is why i'm starting to like marvel so much like, I, I was very adamantly against it in the beginning because, like, yeah, DC fanboyism. But now the more and more I see it is, like, they're trying to include more so much now. It's not just, like, people of color and women and so on and so forth, mm-hmm. but, like, different characters. Like, Ant-Man gets a moment in Civil yeah. War. <laughs> uh, Spider-Man gets a moment in Civil War. Black Panther, Black Panther. Bucky. Yeah. Everyone. Like, and they're doing it in a way where it's not heavy-handed and you don't feel exhausted. It's organic. It's yeah. very organic to how they've they've brought in so many different characters to the Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe, but they've had years to do this, and they've been presenting it over the, in a very television show fashion, yeah. serialized very much so. Mm. And that that lends to Marvel's vision of... They have a map with a path on it, yeah. and with these X-Men movies, it's one movie at a time. Yeah, uh, There's certainly some vision to be had by Brian Singer. He's He's... He's gone back and been able to get the apocalypse story he wanted to tell in the first place, yeah, <laughs> uh, which would have been X Men three or four in his yeah. in the original version. So he he has the Phoenix story left to to fix now, and the next movie is taking place in the nineties, which means we, which means we could get those great costumes. But I mean, I see your point. Yeah, I see your point. Then, but then I I often have to ask. I ask this often when we do our rewatches. Is this? Are we asking too much of these movies? I don't know. I like. I want to think that, mm-hmm. but then every time I think that, it's just coming from like an apologist standpoint. Like, why are we apologizing for something that has potential to do do that? You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. we've seen it done before. There hasn't been a precedent set. So why are we excusing? You know, the X Men, which started the precedents, by the way. It was the one that set the bar that could say, hey, comic book movies can be taken seriously. Yeah. In it a was, social context. It was this and, and um, Spider Man. Yeah. Which were like, hey, guess what? Batman and Robin, that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, like, I don't, I don't hate the movie. I was just very disappointed. And. And I could tell just watching the trailers, Ray, that this is a, this is going to be a, one of those movies where I'm like, I'm not feeling this. Because <laughs> maybe you're right. Like, the model is dated. It's an outdated model. And 
an X. There, there is ripeness potential here for an X universe because there is so many characters. Mm-hmm. We got the X Force still, the New Mutants, <laughs> and uh, well, well, hey, what did you think of Wolverine's cameo in this? I don't know. I just groaned. Yeah, it was like it was. You saw it from a mile away. There was nothing <laughs> surprising about it. Like, <laughs> I don't know why people cheered and people were like, you know, pooping their pants over because it was literally the same thing as every other Wolverine cameo that we've seen. Yeah, that was. I didn't really enjoy yeah. his sequence in it when he was just about to show up. Candace like turned to me. She's like, "Is Wolverine in here? How jacked is he gonna be?" And then they, you couldn't even see how jacked he was. He was bad. Did you stay for the post-credit sequence? Yes. Okay, Mister Sinister. Mr. Sinister, X-23? Yep. Um, <laughs> what a dumb character. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, 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 don't know. I don't know, man. Like, okay. Who's uh, directing the next one? Does anyone know? Like, I know Brian Singer has mentioned he wants to take a break. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see Matthew Vaughn. Matthew Vaughn. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, how about uh, Quicksilver scene? It was cool, but it was like going back to my argument about using the same bag of tricks. Like mm-hmm. that is literally the same sequence as Days of Future Past, and while it was fun, it stood out because everything else was so dull. Uh, I don't know. It was just it was just another shoulder shrug moment for me. Hmm. All right. I mean, not to sound like a Debbie Downer or anything, but I just feel <laughs> like there. If you want to compete with Marvel, if you don't want to revert the rights back, you have to step up your game mm-hmm. and not just put out a movie just to keep the rights. You know, this is Fantastic Four theory, oh, oh. the theory of filmmaking. Not necessarily. <laughs> I'm not saying like it is Fantastic Four, but right. This is this is why Fantastic Four was the way it is because we're just making a movie to make a movie. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't feel like the heart was in this film. Well, um, so First Class is your favorite. Yeah. And Wolverine Origins, uh, X Men Origins Wolverine is your least favorite. Yes, uh, I will say Last Stand is my least favorite. Ooh. It's nothing happens. Yeah, there's nothing inspired in it. Aside from Kelsey Grammer, the whole movie is forgettable. Yeah, uh, Wolverine Origins would then be my second least favorite. Mm. Um, and but the, the the reason I give that one a pass is that because it's so dumb. Like mm. it's so dumb. Yeah, <laughs> it's such a it's it's an '80s movie through and through. Uh, the Wolverine I put up next. Um, I actually liked the Wolverine. It was that third act that was just so typical final boss battle. Robot Samurai. Comic book movie. Uh, <laughs> um, and then Days of Future Past is my is is above Wolverine. The it, Wolverine. It's your middle movie. I didn't like Days of Future Past as much as everyone else did. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand. It was too much mystique. It was too much Wolverine. And and uh, Eric was flipped his switch halfway through the movie. Uh, I, I should rewatch it because I only saw it, I saw it in theaters and I haven't watched it again since. Have you seen the road cut? I haven't seen the road cut yet. I know you want hashtag jubilee cut, but uh... <laughs> you hashtag jubilee cut. <laughs> no, 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 you want that though. You want? I, that. I do, I do. Um, but uh, I, above Days of Future Past, Apocalypse. <gasps> I liked Apocalypse. <gasps> I liked Apocalypse, man. <gasps> and and uh, I don't, I don't understand why it has a forty eight on Rotten Tomatoes. Because it should be I, lower. I say the, <laughs> I say the same thing. Look, Last Stand has a fifty-eight. You're really? Tell, you're telling me Age of Apocalypse is worse than I really do the Last think Stand, and they're on the same and level worse again. than Wolverine Origins. It's not worse, but it's definitely on the same level as Last Stand. I, I say the same thing I said <laughs> to those who were complaining about Wolverine Origins. Yeah. What were you expecting? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Days of Future Past. 
showed us what we were going to get. Yeah. And then we got Apocalypse. And I think Apocalypse is far better than Days of Future Past. Damn. It is. It's <laughs> it's, it's it's more fun. Um, that's just me. Uh, Deadpool's above that. X1 is my number three. First Class is my number two. And X2 is my number one. X2. Still really solid. Yeah. X2 had, X2 is the, the, the best we could ever hope from X-Men because it's, it is a great comic book action movie. It's a great... Uh, it's got some cool themes to it. Yeah. Uh, it's executed on a, a smaller level than all these other movies keep bloatingly get. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I should rewatch Days of Future Past because I am putting it below Apocalypse, but I liked Apocalypse. I walked out of it was like, that was fun. I liked it. And a lot of the complaints people have been having, I'm like, that seems invalid. Have you not seen the previous movies? <laughs> So I, I, I wonder if your love for Jubilee has just tainted your vision I know, of, it's of just, all X-Men movies. <laughs> it's just blinded me. <laughs> I just really want to meet Lana Condor. <laughs> I don't know, man. I it Just re-watching Last Stand has not made me like it anymore, mm-hmm. but it has reminded me of what my problems were with was Apocalypse. And, and you're right. Yeah, because of the last movies, it has... Slap, set the bar slash reminded me of the problems of all these movies and Apocalypse was the representative of all of those things in it's, between yeah. and so like the X-Men have never been dynamic peaks and valleys yeah. they are just a nice little little wave just a little like oh that's a little better that's a little mm. worse that's a little better that's a little worse yeah <laughs> this is almost reverse Pixar <laughs> someone asked me to like rank my all the Pixar movies I'm like mm. that's impossible they're all so good yeah I can say Incredibles and, and Toy Story three, sure, mm-hmm. but it, Cars is at the bottom. But the, like the margin is so small. Yeah. And with these X Men movies, the same thing. It's like it's kind of hard to rank them. The margin is so small. <laughs> There's none of them that are insanely better yeah. than the worst one. They're just better than the, the ones the other ones on the list. Can I pose you this question? Yes. Has Apocalypse ever been an interesting villain? <laughs> no. So <laughs> so again, yeah. credit given to them to take a a, a known villain who's not that great and yeah. doing something something with him. Oscar Isaac. We didn't even talk about Oscar Isaac. <laughs> that's how forgettable he was. I mean, it wasn't it was him with five pounds of prosthetics and a modulated voice. That wasn't Oscar yeah. Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> Poe Dameron. That could have been anybody else, and that's that's another waste too. Um, but then again, like you said, I don't think there's a way to make him interesting because his motivations were very and his powers were very like ambiguous. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell were his powers? <laughs> he he has all powers. Yeah. And now. Um, uh, Mr. Sinister, who is potentially the next villain that they'll Woo! approach on here, he he's an interesting character. He yeah. does have like an insane healing ability. Yeah. But the main v- uh, motivation behind Mr. Sinister is creating the perfect race. Yeah. He wants to breed the perfect mutants. It, he's he's Magneto to the next level. Magneto yeah. wants to like mutants are ruling, humans are done. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Sinister is like. Uh, we're gonna make the perfect race of mutants mm. and wipe out everyone else, even the lesser mutants. This is the perfect time to actually address those race issues. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, potentially we but, could. They they could. They're gonna keep making these movies. We yeah. have another Wolverine movie in the mix coming soon, um, which 
actually, you know what? Let, let's discuss the complete bonkers time continuity in these movies. That's the next thing I was going to bring up. So, like, continuity out the window with these movies makes no sense. You Okay, now, occasionally with movies, uh, like, um, you, you have to watch them in a certain order. Like, yeah. Captain America, though it was the fourth released Marvel movie, technically you should watch it first. And if you watch yeah. it first, it actually fits nicely in the continuity. You need to watch the X-Men movies in the order they, order they were released. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only way you can make sense of this franchise. Someone might be out there like, oh, put them in chronological order. Good luck. <laughs> because we've seen multiple timelines now. Yeah. So I'm wondering, this old man Logan Wolverine 3, what, mm-hmm. what timeline is it on? Makes no goddamn sense. <laughs> and why? This is, this is like, what, two decades from first class? Mm-hmm. Why is no one aged? Oh, uh, by the way... Uh, this is no different than the comics. Yeah. So anyone who's like, oh, this movie continuity is so screwed up. It's like, <laughs> pick up an X-Men <laughs> And you, you give me any concept of reality in the X-Men comics, it's a, it's a mess as it is. Yeah. That's just Marvel comics in general. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> is it is it 20 years? I don't think it's 20 years. I think it's only 15. The first class. was 69. 69. This was 80. Oh, no, it wasn't 69. It, w- it was mid-60s. When so was like the 60. Bay of Pigs? When was the big? Ba- you think we would know this, but American uh, schools have not. Because <laughs> I think that's when, or the Cuban Missile Crisis. That's what the event was during first, first class. Uh-huh. And I don't know what the event was for. Uh, well, it was after the assassination of. Of. Um... Either way, even if it was 15 years, James McAvoy looks the same. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's 20 years. So 62 is yeah. when the Cuban Missile Crisis was. So yeah, it's 20 years past. Yeah. Well, uh, a lot of mutants, their abilities cause them to age more slowly. Ah! <laughs> ah! They've only explicitly stated that for, for Wolverine mis- and Mystique. Mystique. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. If Let's say James McAvoy graduated university at 19. <laughs> so then he's only, you know, 29, 39. That's I, true. Math is good. Math. He could pass for 40. <laughs> and uh, let's say Beast in Days of Future Past was, we'll go with 19 as the magic number again. He could be, he could be 29 in, <laughs> in Apocalypse. That makes no sense. <laughs> Another I, thing about Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Do you think Phoenix was rushed? Um, I don't... Th- okay, so Phoenix is... Okay, Jean Grey as a character is one of the original X-Men as well. Marvel Girl, sorry. She, yeah. was, she wasn't Phoenix until the 80s. There's so many characters. To, to say one, to say Phoenix is so much far, is far more important than the rest of them yeah. is, is inaccurate. Mm-hmm. I think that it wasn't, it, rushing it, as you're saying, as she was in this, is making her less important. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good thing. If they built up a whole movie just around Phoenix, you're placing her in such a power position that then she becomes this super important character. I'd rather have her rushed in, have the same speed of origin as Cyclops. Yeah. So as to put him and her at level ground. Yeah. To put her and Storm at a level ground. Mm. That way she isn't the end all be all most important mutant. The, the Doex Machina. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and I'm okay with that. So, yes, I could see, okay, if Phoenix is supposed to be this world-destroying entity, mm. then, yes, they rushed her. I would much rather her be de-emphasized, as she was in this movie, yeah. and take away her importance in the grand mythos of the X-Men. Yeah. So, 
Yes and no. Okay. <laughs> that's that was my, such a non-answer. <laughs> that's, that's my dip- diplomatic approach. Very diplomatic. If sir. they decide to do the Dark Phoenix saga mm-hmm. in the next movie with yeah. Mr. Sinister, which is likely, since mm-hmm. he is obsessed with Gene's abilities, yeah. then, yeah, maybe this was a bit rushed. Mm-hmm. Um, if they decide to even the playing field and make the ensemble cast more important, to yeah. make Storm, Cyclops, and Gene the important characters, then good. There you go. I've, We've I've, got about talk about nightcrawler too <laughs> emo like nightcrawler emo nightcrawler it's because they're here <laughs> i do I'll, my one positive takeaway or one of the few would be like the new cast i do like them yeah i like them a lot um i don't think sansa good is a good actor <laughs> but, and her american <laughs> accent is terrible but she serves serves her purpose you know i, I just realized that's two game of thrones people in a row because dinklage was in the last one. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> bolivar now um there's the tv show coming out yeah, Legion. They yeah. just uh, greenlit that. And um, congrats, Donners. By the way, they've been working on that since I was an intern. So like, it's nice to see uh, the fruits of their labor. Are we going to see some of these actors on the show? Could Jubilee be a main character on the show? Could Storm? <laughs> Man, I want her to be in the movie. <laughs> well, she could be in the movie too. Yeah. But and 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 she be just as pointless as she is in the show. <laughs> no, DC. The hate is real. <laughs> <laughs> her fireworks powers are so stupid. It's channeled electricity. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, sooner or later, I'm going to take this too far, and you're going to be mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm actually. It's it's kind of funny how this running joke has evolved because like. I do like Jubilee, but I'm like not that big of a fan. But I don't know, like we've we've gone too far to counter like me. Super being... committed now. <laughs> it's funny because I do know I do know Jubilee's story very well. In my one minute rewatch, I when I did my little the the sting like the little bloopers reel. Yeah, I had my friend Jim watch it, and I, he was like, "What? No, Jubilee! How? Shut up!" <laughs> <laughs> the best thing they can do with Jubilee is A, give her story to someone else, and B, make her a vampire. Vampire Jubilee! <laughs> yes. That's the best they can do. And then Blade killed her. Um, yeah. I do think there's an interesting story there. <laughs> well, anyhow, um, I don't know what more, much more we can say with, uh, with the X-Men and Jubilee. I'm sure <laughs> there's... <laughs> There's there's more to be said, and I'm sure we'll think of it once we're off mic. But um, are there any? Because I feel like you're saying some positive things, I'm saying some negative things. Let's flip it. Let's mm-hmm. Flip it. Are there any negative things you could take away from the movie? Maybe oh yeah, Jennifer Lawrence was awful in the movie. She totally just phoned it in. Um, I'm Apocalypse was such a undefined villain. I thought they. They didn't make it quite clear what his motivations were, and that, but that's the fault of like every single superhero com- like villain, yeah. like comic book villain. He in, just in saw some movies. bad television, and he was yeah. like, "F this! This all needs to <laughs> end now." <laughs> a, a movie can only, a story can be only as good mm-hmm. as its villain. Yes, and the better the villain, the better the movie. That's why The Dark Knight stands out. Ooh. It's um, uh, and uh, X two. Mm-hmm. why I'm putting that so high because Stryker has a very clear cut motivation. Yeah. Uh, and the more clear the villain, the better the movie, I think. Um, uh, Loki in, in Thor is better than Loki in Avengers. Mm. But Loki in Avengers works because we know we know his his mentality. Um, so yeah, uh, Apocalypse is weak. Um, uh, th- some of the set pieces were a little too contrived. Like, like it just happens to be that um, 
Quicksilver shows up right when the explosion happens. <laughs> yeah, that's an awesome scene. I love that scene. I think that's great. And yeah. I, it was it was very fun and it was cool to see it play out. But it was also very convenient timing. Yeah. Um, it, hmm. Magneto moving a whole city. What was that with that? When did he do that? The that was then. Um, when he Auschwitz Auschwitz when yeah. he like leveled Auschwitz 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 sandwich Auschwitz. Uh, well. He could do that because one of Apocalypse's abilities is to enhance the powers of the mutants in front of him. Yeah. So he just amped up Magneto's strength, and Magneto's like, I hate you all! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, I got it. Sorry, I have been waiting to talk about this. The absolute worst part of the movie is Moira McTaggart is Lois Lane from Man of Steel. Completely useless. I completely forgot to even talk about her. I was waiting for someone to bring that up. I like him. Emily Roseburn. Uh, Roseburn. I always forget the two. Emily Rose Mortimer, you're going to say that? <laughs> yeah. um, uh, completely useless. She's completely useless. Yeah. I was confused what her mission was, A. Mm-hmm. And B, where was she in the, in the third act? And why was she suited up like she was going to do something? Yeah. <laughs> like, she has this very confused look on her face when, yeah. when she's on the plane. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you should, girl, because you don't belong here right now. Uh, that's the worst part of the movie. Is, yeah. like, she's she's completely unnecessary. Mm. Uh, I, I, I know... Singer really likes working with her, and yeah. like he probably just needed any excuse to have her in there. Mm-hmm. But that's not quite different than uh, he, she that was in X Men Three because Brett Ratner <laughs> was dating her. Him, shim, um, yeah, a shame too because she's a great actress, and I, I do like the character, but completely pointless. Yeah, she was so great in First Class. Mm-hmm. Her her character was served a really interesting purpose too, yeah, and she could have been a neat girl figure. power. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing too, like just more. Um, it's not just wasted diversity, but it's poorly executed diversity, mm. and that's that's kind of what I've noticed is like the running gag of this <laughs> all these movies. And um, yeah, like just thinking about it, about back about it, I'm just wondering why. Because even the hench people, so were a waste. Angel Storm, Psylocke. yeah, yeah, Psylocke was very, eh, you know. I just don't like Olivia Munn. <laughs> I'm just not a fan. But she's she's Japanese. Right? She's half Chinese. She's half Chinese. Yeah. Isn't the character a white woman trapped in a Japanese woman's body? Yes. Well, that's yeah. true. But you don't like Olivia Munn even though she's... I just don't like her as a person. Oh, okay. It has nothing to do with her ethnicity. I think it's... I commend them to go Asian American even though it's like... <sighs> See, this is the, the kind of... It's the complicated thing when you're talking about race stuff. Mm-hmm. Because can it is it okay just to throw any Asian in there so on and so forth? Is it okay just to have Zoe Saldana play Nina Simone even though she's uh, not, like, she's Afro-Latina, one, and also she's not dark enough, which is the colorist uh, discussion Mm -hmm. when you're talking about race relations just within the black community and so on and so forth. And it's just like, I want to say it's okay, but... I don't know. At the end of the day, I just don't like Olivia Munn. (laughs) Yeah, at the end of the day, I don't like Olivia Munn. But on top of that, I'm just confused... Also by what her power was, because it's also not clearly defined. Yeah. It's like, in the comics, I don't remember her. She has psychic projections. That's okay. what her blades are. It's yeah. like they're, it's some, it's a psychic ability. Okay. It's a, it's not telekinetic, being able to move stuff or read minds. It's just be able to project mental energy. Yeah. yeah. And why did they kill Angel? That's just bizarre. Because he's a dumb character. <laughs> <laughs> I think the lesson we're learning from all these comments is I hate pretty much all the X-Men. <laughs> Jubilee sucks. Psylocke sucks. Angel worthless. <laughs> I'm such a... Hmm. <laughs> I'm the Debbie Downer. <laughs> I, 
I mean, I don't want to keep bringing up Civil War and everything, but like, accountability is such a fascinating theme in all these mm-hmm. superhero movies now, especially because I can't watch these movies now and just look at someone kill someone and be like, hey, that's okay, I'm going to cheer. Yeah. Because like Wolverine straights up murders people in all these movies, and we're like, hey, that's cool, because yeah. they're bad guys, assumingly. But like, I don't know, like everyone in here kills people, even other mutants too. I'm just like... I'm just wondering, well, this is like a whole nother discussion, but like, when can we start holding these characters accountable in this series? Like, maybe this yeah, is no the... Yeah, no kidding. Ins- it's like, uh, <laughs> well, Eric, I know you've done some really, really, really bad things, but I'll see you around the bend, my I'll friend. I'll see you around <laughs> next time. <laughs> All is forgiven. Um, I don't know. I think that'll be an interesting element to introduce because, I mean, yeah, we fear these mutants for their powers that we don't understand, but mm-hmm. like, what they do with these powers, I think it's what is most important and they have yeah. a responsibility with those great powers yes <laughs> said an infamous uncle it it goes back to uh, x-men 3 which is a, a line of conversation i curing the mutants as opposed to utilizing the mutants they've they've the president has made it clear that having a mutant on his cabinet was important yeah so that they could pave over relations but they're still like let's figure out how to get rid of them all <laughs> it's like, no capitalize on them all yeah don't you get it yeah so anyway i mean big grand scheme of things this is just another x-men movie yeah it was uh middle of the road that's the nicest i can go (laughs) middle of the road (laughs) um but they'll keep making them they'll keep going on i just want them to take more chances like they did with deadpool where it's like have some fun pare it down focus on character Mm. um and now Here's the, you like Deadpool, right? Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Deadpool doesn't have a message or a theme. Uh, uh, like a deep theme, I mean. Mm-hmm. It's just a fun movie. Yeah. I would. That's why I liked Apocalypse. It was just a dumb, fun movie. It didn't need to have, like, the digging. I'm, I've already given up on the fact <laughs> that X-Men 2 is the end of the, of the messages, like, yeah. digging deep on that. Mm-hmm. And now they can just peripherally explore them. And maybe that's why I'm accepting these movies a little, <laughs> a little better than you are. <laughs> I don't know, man, because like there was a time on this podcast when I said X-Men was my favorite Marvel film. And I don't know, maybe I'm maybe you're right. Are we asking too much? Are we hanging on to old the old glory days like like the high school jocks or whatnot? But like, <laughs> <laughs> Still got my X-Men Letterman jacket. <laughs> I'm just confused because we were championing the day that Brian Singer made his glorious return to this franchise. Hey, this is he is already doing better than w- <laughs> what what uh, Wolverine and X Men Last Stand were. <laughs> I just ah ah just this movie feels there, like on that level, uh, man. So, okay, let's taking taking themes away. Yeah, taking the deeper structure, like the the subtext we are digging at, which which we are apt to do. Yeah, just from a filmmaking standpoint, this movie is far superior than the jarbled mess that is x-men 3 and wolverine origins it's just well, origins st- yes yeah what did i say oh, okay. from wolverine origins it's yeah. <laughs> it's structurally better it's structurally sound yeah and the set pieces have relative purpose it's a better film just from a technical standpoint whether it's the technicality of the writing hmm. or the technicality of the execution you gotta get you gotta admit that at least i mean like elements of it yes but like it is so. It is. 
it falls into the trappings of the modern blockbuster. It's two and a half hours too long. <laughs> <laughs> it's all these convoluted things. I mean, like, you say all these things about Last Stand, and I'm watching Last Stand pretty close to conjunction of when I saw Apocalypse, and I mm -hmm. saw... And I saw all the same problems, man, just in a smaller time frame, you know? <laughs> and, like, I can't... I'm never going to say Brett Ratner is a superior filmmaker to Brian Singer. Hell no, but... Um, <laughs> Please, I would ask you to leave. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think it's lazy. Apocalypse is a lazy film. And the CG, like... The CG is PS1 CG. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that building the, rebuilding the school at the end was pretty terrible. I don't know. I... Like like we've been mentioning with all these other movies, the with this cast, with what this story could tell, with Brian Singer, who is who has been he made he has made cult classics to blockbusters. He's very versatile, yeah, very talented. You expect more. <laughs> so like are we are we holding on to too much? Yes, but should we? Yes. It's it's just part of the it's cinema has changed as much as our our taste in cinema has changed. We've yeah. we've developed a more adult idea of what we want from films, but cinema itself has has changed. And and surely I could be accused of fanboying right now, but <laughs> Christopher Nolan changed things with yeah. Dark Knight by by taking a movie property so seriously and presenting a a technical achievement, mm. a an a, a story structure achievement. It takes a comic book. Take the Joker and Batman and make one of the best crime films of the modern era. Yeah. He changed everything. And because of that movie, whether people want to love it or hate it yeah. or call it overhyped or whatnot, it's changed our sensibilities of what we know we can get hmm. from comic book movies. So, yeah, we are holding on to kind of the deeper structure, the deeper themes of X-Men 1 and 2. Yeah. Um, maybe there's something to be said about cutting that budget back. By by working oh. <laughs> by, by working with what you have, yeah. maybe there's something to be said about. Look, you can only have this much to tell your story, so better be a good story. I mean, you said it perfectly earlier. Just scale it back. Even I don't know. I don't budget wise. I don't know how much is gonna because a lot of the today's budgets are just going to stars and to people's salaries. Like, I feel like reining it back and doing a more contained story. We don't need globe trotting X Men. It, that's yeah. That's never been what the X-Men were about, Look, anyway. Lawrence is out. Jennifer yeah. Lawrence is out. Mm. She was the most expensive actor. Yeah. All right? Now you have McAvoy and Fassbender. And I, and they, I mean, depending on the success or failure of Assassin's Creed, Fassbender's not even in a position to ask for yeah. Jennifer Lawrence numbers. Uh, the Star Power is dead. That's a conversation we've had before as well. But there is no, there's no... There's no star power anymore. Yeah. There's there's character power. Hmm. People want to see Tony Stark Iron Man, but how many people went and saw The Judge starring <laughs> Robert Downey Jr.? Doesn't happen. Yeah. You know? Agreed. Um, people went to see Batman and Superman. Who the hell gives a crap about Henry Cavill? <laughs> no one. No one saw Cold Night of, Cold Night of Day or whatever the Bruce Willis yeah. one is. Cold Light of Day. No yeah. one. No one. Uh, what a title! Yeah, the blockbuster that was Man from Uncle was not riding on the success of Henry Cavill's star power. Yeah, no, it's that. It's the characters now. Yeah. So Jennifer Lawrence being out, they've lost a huge amount of star power. Yeah. you can cut the budget back. You can bring it to simpler times. But to to go back to my point of Dark Knight changed everything. It stopped being comic book movies just being about dumb fun. Yeah. It started being like, whoa, you can actually explore some interesting stuff here. And now we expect that from our stuff. Mm -hmm. It's it's why the lesser of the Marvel movies are criticized is because they aren't 
addressing anything. They aren't exploring anything. I think people failed to give Iron Man 3 the credit it deserves because it's exploring post-traumatic stress disorder, which I know he kind of throws out the window by the third act. <laughs> but it's uh, Iron Man himself as a character through the five movies he's been in, hmm. one, two, three, four, five, six movies that yeah. we've seen Tony Stark is dealing with the consequences of his actions. He is a man who is responsible for so much evil, and that is the thing he has to pay for. Yeah, And that's what Iron Man 3 is addressing there you go jessica another iron man 3 reference oh, shit. <laughs> son of a bitch <laughs> i was doing so well <laughs> i'm, I'm yes. cutting this i'm cutting this <laughs> no it's evidence <laughs> can uh, you cut it into a super reel <laughs> super cut <laughs> iron man 3 iron man 3 iron man 3 iron man 3 no you're, you make a great point um so it well, it's are we expecting too much, or do we have a right to expect this much? Do we do we have a right to expect more? Not just as snobby film elitists like we yeah. are. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm sorry, and I apologize. I just feel there's no reason to apologize. I'm just as much <laughs> as a snob as you are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the That's apologies. the spinoff. <laughs> to to come from, I mean, I don't want to keep harping on the Brian Singer argument because he has he has once again set the precedence even if we don't like Days of Future's past Days of Future past Future's past mm-hmm. as much as the rest of them that still was political as hell and and that was just as adult in themes and that's what I've come to respect from his X-Men and Matthew Vaughn's X-Men and all the other X-Men movies that come beforehand and like Sure. I mean, I, we don't have a right per se. I mean, watching <laughs> movies is a privilege. Not all, not everyone can watch movies. I understand yeah. that, but where, where I, I guess the perspective that I'm coming from is like filmmakers or anyone in media position or in the position of being in media in general. It's the whole yeah, cheesy, great power, great responsibility, blah blah blah, so on and so forth. You do mm-hmm. hold great power. You do hold a responsibility to tell something and put a good product out there. And like, I don't come from the school of like using films as escapism or whatever. Yeah. Like, I like to. That's my department. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it can, it still can, but it can explore something that is not necessarily a sol- in a social context or whatever. But Spielberg, mm-hmm. the Spielbergian way, is like the ultimate escapist films. But they've always explored something, whether it's like childhood nostalgia or like coming from a single parent home daddy or issues. like daddy issues so and so forth it's like it's very personal and like while deadpool wasn't anything socially deep it was still a love story mm-hmm. and i got something out of it it was like emotionally satisfying mm-hmm. and i think that's what i'm missing from here maybe i didn't i wasn't satisfied cerebrally cerebrally <laughs> <laughs> but there was nothing to latch on emotionally like maybe a little bit of magneto's stuff but that was like gone within 10 minutes Mm -hmm. and then it's just back to blowing shit up again (laughs) and i don't know do we have a right to no but i mean should we i think that's the debate that we should be having like should we because this is a this this is for the privilege right and like if you have the power to do something great you should go and hammer and give your 100 percent every single time and Mm -hmm. that might be a naive kind of like way of looking at it or whatever but I don't know. I still, I still cherish film a lot, and I see kind of the decay. Like TV's taking over, streaming's taking over, and film has become just like a cluster fudge of just <laughs> explosions and mindless meandering. 
Well, I and I keep I've been playing devil's advocate to you for like pretty much <laughs> half this entire podcast, but it goes to people freaking out about Captain America so, uh, in the comics right now, saying yeah. Hail Hydra. People mm-hmm. are losing their just going crazy bananas over this thing, <laughs> and and my and I'm just folding my arms and shaking my head, going, guys, yeah, it's a business. Yeah, comics is a business. Movies are a business. Movies aren't art. Comics aren't <laughs> art. They can be, yeah, and some people some people treat it that way. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's business. Yeah. And Michael Bay still packs theaters <laughs> he does. with the business of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And you're not wrong. And, like, I think I'm just upset because that's our, that's our reality. Yeah. Because that is so prevalent till now. Ever since we've grown up, that's always been the case. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm not upset because that's a, that's a true thing because it is. I'm just upset that it's still going. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm interested to see what uh, anyone listening has to say about the X-Men. I typically get some private messages from people that yeah. have some reactions. Uh, you can Iron post Man them. 3, reference, Gosh. count number 12. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, so that's the X-Men. I think we can end the conversation here. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and just uh, plug our stuff and wrap this episode up. So. Plug that shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, take a quick break here. Uh, comments below, tweets, repost, share, blah, 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 blah. We'll be right back after this. to say goodbye yes well not really say goodbye i want to check in with you what have you been up to typically we open with this but i wanted to get right into x-men because i knew we had a lot of things to say yeah life stories is kicking ass it's it's dropping every thursday so tune in to nbc asia america on facebook and nbc news to catch the episodes two episodes left of the season um 15 actually oh yeah wow they ordered a 20 episode run okay i don't know why i thought i thought you said earlier two two episodes maybe you meant like in two episodes or something okay (laughs) uh, any any possibility of continuing doing uh more episodes like there may be discussions about that but i'll let you know if that's ever an official thing but yeah there's potential for another incarnation another run extended Mm -hmm. run um, cool because we love to touch base with other because there's so many like the mission was to always not only highlight like you know, Asian Americans and whatnot, but Pacific Islanders among Americans. There's so many different diverse communities within the AAPI communities that we have not explored yet. So yeah, lots, lots to look at. Yeah. Cool. I'm I'm enjoying it. It's it's just fun to see your name pop up on NBC. <laughs> Peacock logo. <laughs> Do you have an IMDb page credit for this yet? I don't think so. I don't. I never go on IMDb. So <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> uh, so you you are also working on your. You've been talking about this for the past few months now. An Iron Fist fan film. Yes, pre-production phase one has gone into has is in the books for the Immortal Iron Fist, our fan film, or for the Marvel character Iron Fist, and mm-hmm. that's gonna be really exciting because we're going back to doing fight choreography and uh, short filmmaking again. I haven't made a short film for a year, man, a narrative one. So it's. Do you have the same fight choreographer that you used for the the, the boxer one? 
Yes. What was the name of that one? Uh, the Mute. The Mute. Yeah. Yes. Sammy Morales. He's a good dude. And, uh, and you have, who's your, your star in this? Alice Sway. She's a uh, student at Chapman, an up-and-coming model actress, and she's fantastic. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for the record, you do not have an IMDb credit yet for um, Life Stories. I know. So I'll, I'll, that needs to change. I'll write an email. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll speak to the people. Speak to NBC. <laughs> uh, so your, your purpose behind doing this Iron Man, or Iron Man, Iron Fist, yeah. is uh, you're taking it back. Right, that's taking it back. We're taking it back. It's a reappropriation. <laughs> uh, but you're doing a female Iron Fist. Yeah, what's really cool about um, this our incarnation of Iron Fist is like it's it's two female Iron Fists, and it's a it's a legacy as mm. as kind of alluded in the Matt uh, Fraction, Matt Fraction Ed Brubaker run of the Immortal Iron Fist in 2006. Mm-hmm. And um, I've never really enjoyed Iron Fist as a character because historical reasons but also like <laughs> I, I always thought it was kind of like cheesy but hashtag ben hates iron fist <laughs> this is true but that he's, run, he's your jubilee this is <laughs> iron fist <laughs> but what's what's so cool about that run was like they explored kind of like a deeper mythos of that legacy mm-hmm. like danny Rand was not the only one and danny Rand cannot is not the only one that can wield the power and um that's a really cool, uh, cool comic book run for all those nerds out there who want to go check that out. And if you don't, if you're not familiar with the Iron Fist, that's the first run, Start first and that. only run you should worry. Pretty about. much anything Matt Fraction has his hands in right now. It's fantastic. He's, he's great. He's this. Uh, he's he's the new era of Bendis when Bendis was first like launching. Before Bendis like, went full Bendis. <laughs> Before Bendis went full Bendis. <laughs> and, Fra- uh, Fraction is great. He did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's done some good stuff. I think he did a Hawkeye run that was really good. Yeah, he did with. Uh, Aha, who mm. also yes. uh, who also did the art for this Iron Fist. So this was great pre- artwork. This was before those two blew up. So it was, you could see like an uh, inkling of their genius before Hawkeye <laughs> and Iron Man and so on and so forth. And um, what's cool about our Iron Fist project was this was already in the works before the casting for the Netflix show was mm-hmm. announced. You'd already been thinking about doing this. Yeah, I been I wrote I wrote out like a skeleton outline and whatnot, and I purposefully had uh, had it be an Asian American female Iron Fist. Hmm. And um, so it's just great timing and all. So looking forward to <laughs> making more commentary about that once it drops. All right. Well, any other uh, projects working on right now? Anything else you want to promote? Yeah, we uh, so Band with No Name Films is on YouTube and Facebook. You should definitely subscribe because we want to make more content at least monthly. Um, I'm getting subscribers like once a day. I don't know where they're coming from. <laughs> well, I think... it's because it's from Life Stories. Yes. <laughs> well, whatever it is, thank you. And sorry we haven't put up anything since December. <laughs> yeah, you're a busy guy. <sighs> Editing. <laughs> Editing. <laughs> Very cool. And uh, people can follow you on Twitter and Instagram, right? Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at at Benjitoes, B-E-N-J-I-T-O-E-S. Toes, like the feet. Like my feet. Like, <laughs> like the feet. Um, yeah, and that's... I'm also on... MySpace? No, okay. <laughs> I'm not on MySpace. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell. All right. Uh, well, you can check out some new stuff here at FirmamentFilms.com if that's where you're listening to this. Or if you are listening to this on iTunes, which you totally should subscribe on iTunes. It makes us look cool. Uh, at FirmamentFilms.com, we have a new short up that uh, we released just yesterday, I guess a couple days ago as listening to this called uh, Interviewing 101, um, a very informative, very helpful little short on all the things you need to know about interviewing, uh, starring uh, Chad and Candace, which uh, 
has been touted as the best team up firmament offers. <laughs> uh, Wild Man and the Goose and the Noise, uh, High Neighbor, you had Gordon and Aaron. Uh, Candace and Chad work really well together. They're the new Laurel and Hardy. Yeah, I think that's what we're all <laughs> taking away from this. <laughs> uh, but like Firmament Films on Facebook as well, uh, we have some new shorts in the works. We should have one up in June, July, and August. There you go. Yeah, so we got three. We have one in post-production right now. We're filming another one in June, and we have on the schedule to do a July and August one as well. So, Woo! Yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at TC's Big Head, no punctuation, just TCS Big Head. And uh, yeah, I try to I try to be a little more Twittery and Instagrammy as much <laughs> as I possibly can. But I'm not one of those crazy people that Instagrams every moment of their lives. Well, how do we know what you're eating right now, TC? <laughs> it's uh, some spaghetti that Candace made. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, and yes, feel free to comment below as we said earlier for x-men or for anything um supports indie filmmaking in firmament as well as supporting nbc asian america with life stories yes um, oh i want to do a quick plug for Schulze and max have a new show on youtube the max and Schulze show no it's not uh, max and chris um where they try to review a movie in a minute mm-hmm. uh not like the one minute gamer or one minute rewatch that's uh just short it's short reviews um it's very funny they in the two episodes they've done so far they haven't gotten to the review <laughs> so check that check that out on youtube uh you can find that on Schulze uh linking through Schulze's it's Schulze Schulze <laughs> Uh, but no, check that out. And of course, check out the One Minute Gamer over at the BitLife channel for uh, some fun rapid fire reviews from Chad Halverson. I am a fan of that man. <laughs> I am too. I want him to have my babies. <laughs> uh, but that's it for the rewatch. We'll be back again soon and hopefully with another official rewatch as opposed to just babbling about whatever we want to babble about. Thank you for listening. I am TC DeWitt for Bento across the table here for Candace behind me for all the rewatchmen saying keep doing what you're doing. Sweet dreams are made of the end. Who am I to disagree? I travel the world and the seven seas. Everybody is looking for something.